0: Bright Metal Audio presents The Blood Miles by Andrew Moody, read by the author. Volume 1, Chapter 11. I guess now I need to tell you a bit about what happened to me when I was 10. By the time I got to the last years of school, I was a bit taller than most of the kids in Spillin. I had friends and a job and I could do a few things with guns and engines that got me some respect but it wasn't always like that. When I was ten, I was short for my age, and some of the kids liked to push me around. The fact that some of them were in the year below me made it doubly humiliating. So I wanted some way to become someone that other kids would be afraid of, and I thought I had an idea about how that could happen. Back in those days, there was a cluster of families camped out in the old riverbed near our town. They came and went a bit, and used to bring things to trade that they'd picked up in their travels, even though they were never allowed in through the gates because they had cysties among them. My mum used to go out to them sometimes. She was a midwife and also a nutritionist, and she would give them advice about what they should be buying to help with their scurvy or goiters, and she would help with their babies. It was a pretty brave thing to do when you remember that we all thought the tox was a virus back then, and I came to see later that people treated her with suspicion because of it. Anyway, she let me come with her too sometimes, and that's how I got to know some of the boys. They went around in a pack, and all the other kids from the town were scared of them. But they put up with me because of my mum. They even let me come along and see the body of a savage they'd killed because he'd attacked one of their sisters. It was after that that I asked them to show me how to fight, and that was how I ended up helping them to kill the agent. They didn't tell me that's what we were going to do, until we were all together. Mash, the boy who'd vouched for me, and whose baby sister my mum had just helped deliver, just said that Spew, that was their leader, had a job for me to do, and if I did it, they'd show me how to fight. So I came along and met them by the old railway line, like they said, and there was Spew standing on a pile of sleepers with Mash and a couple of the other boys. They all had their shirts off so I could see the cysts on their arms and chests. And Spew told me that there was a central agent camped out under the bridge, and they were going to kill him and take his stuff. But because he's an agent... He might have a sword or gun or something, so we're going to need a distraction. That's what you are here for, kid. Mash reckons you can do it. Is he right? Because I'm only giving you this one chance. Now I should have just run off. I was only ten, but I knew what they were asking me to do. I knew that agents weren't like savages. I knew that my mum had talked with this agent and said she quite liked him and couldn't see why people made such a fuss about them. But I was weak, and I wanted them to like me and I wanted people to be afraid of me. So I just nodded and said, I can do it. What do you want me to do? Can you count to ten, said Spew, and do it slow like this. One, two, three, and do it three times. Then go over to the other side of the tracks and get close and start chucking rocks at him, and they'll come around and get him from the other side, okay? Okay, I said. Good, let's get ready. That meant fighting each other to work themselves up to what they were about to do. Spew pushed Mash off the sleeper pile and head-butted one of the other boys in the nose. The last of them turned and lifted me up by the shirt, only to drop me as Mash pulled him down. I backed away into the grass after that while they went on slapping and wrestling each other. Mash, who was bigger than the rest of them, grabbed the two I didn't know and banged their heads together. Then Spew kicked out the back of Mash's legs and they all three piled on him before Spew called a stop to it. "'That's enough!' he said, releasing his headlock and pulling them off. Stop it. Time to go. You start counting, kid. So I began to count as I watched them go off around the curve of the embankment. They were moving differently now they'd worked themselves up, rolling their shoulders like they were chimpanzees from one of the old nature films we saw at school. By that time, I was so freaked out that I almost did turn and run. But I was worried what they might do to me if they did that to each other. So I finished counting, picked up some stones from between the tracks, and ran down the slope to the old river bed. The agent was squatting by his fire under the central span of the bridge as I came out through the haze. I saw him look up from his cooking and smile at me. His eyes were watery from the smoke, and his teeth looked unnaturally white in contrast to his skin. "'How you doing, young fella?' he said, nodding. I froze. This was the moment I was supposed to be throwing rocks at him. "'You want a bit of possum?' he said. "'Just about ready.' He held up a stick with a half-blackened carcass on it. I leapt back like he'd pointed a weapon at me. "'Are you... are you the agent?' I said. "'Yeah,' he said. "'But it depends what you mean by the word.' I didn't exactly know what I meant. "'Have you got a gun or a knife?' "'Nah. But I got a sword,' he said, nodding over his shoulder to a pile of gear next to his sleeping roll. Somewhere through the smoke I could hear the sounds of Spew and the others crunching down the gravel slope. "'I had to attack.' I tried hitting myself in the chest with my clenched fists. The man looked puzzled for a second, and then turned back to his possum. You're trying to make yourself go savage. You don't want to do that. I knew a fellow once who... But even as he spoke, there was a thudding of feet and a sudden roaring as the older boys charged into view, waving clubs made of tree branches. I dropped my rocks and fled into the smoke. The sounds of those clubs striking the man would never leave my ears. But then I came back. The big kids had gone by then finished their work and taken whatever they wanted. As I crept between the pylons, the smoke from the scattered coals lay around like a heavy fog. Whatever was left was ruined. The man's pack had been ripped open and his clothes spread over the fire. The cooked possum was a trampled mess covered with ash and sand. There was a book too, a pale grey leather book with an embossed X on the cover. Someone had spread it out on a half-burned log, and when I picked it up, and turned it over, I could see that the pages were almost completely gone, just a few brown sheets still legible at the very back next to the cover. "'Hang on to that book, young fella,' said a voice from the ground. "'He'll tell you what you need to know.' I looked around. The agent was lying behind me in a wreckage of blood, rags and dust. When I crouched down, I could hear the rattling in his lungs as he tried to breathe. "'I'm sorry,' I said. "'I'm sorry, they made me do it.' "'All right.' Said the man. Be all right. What can I do? I think the water bottle's behind me. I found the flask and tried to hold it up to the man's mouth. Too much went in at once. The man was racked with a terrible bubbling cough that spattered blood on my hands. Just a bit in the cap, he said at last. I tried again. The man swallowed and tried to smile. I reckon you're in it now, you even help to an agent. He coughed again. What's your name? Chris, I said. You know how to read, Chris? How about you read me something from that book? It'll come for me soon. I'd like to hear something while I wait. It's all... it's... something from the end? He nodded and coughed, and there was a different note to it now, and listening to it made me feel sick and want to cry. I guessed somehow, even then, I could recognise the sound of lungs filling up with blood. But I took the book and peeled away the ash until I reached a page that I could read. A final note to all agents in the field. Dear friends, Many of you may be tempted to be discouraged. Your work will be difficult. You will sometimes feel that you are making no progress. And some of you will lose your lives in the process. Believe me, I know about these things. But I want you to understand that it is worth it. It is worth it for those you rescue. For the new territory that will come. For the honour and reputation of Central. And it is worth it for yourselves. The city that you have not yet seen waits to embrace you as its sons and daughters. I look forward to welcoming each of you beneath the trees of the landing and leading you up from the river to present you to the Pantark. I look forward to seeing you made healthy with the last traces of the tox eradicated from your bodies. I look forward to seeing you meet those you brought to Crux. So don't be discouraged. Don't let anyone tell you what you are doing is a waste of time. Don't hide what you were or what you are now. And don't hide what's coming, both the good and the bad. Stay strong. We will see each other soon. I wanted to ask who wrote this letter, but when I looked up, I could see that the agent was completely still and that the eye that was still open had become fixed.